You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Thanks to a sweet finish from Solly March, Albion were finally set for victory in Gwent's last night, only for Newport to steal an equaliser after a goalkeeping gaffe. And thanks to Lee Mason, seemingly borrowing Chris Kavanagh's watch from the Manchester United League game. Yes, Phantom added on time, on top of the real added on time, allowed us to allow them back into it, allowing us to burn another half hour's energy on the Bobbly Rodney parade pitch. But it all worked out in the end that, that as the Albion goalie showed nerves of steel to outwit the exiles, penalty takers and save the blushes of Messrs Morps, Biss and Trossard. We also witnessed the debut of South Africa's finest, Percy Tao, coming off the bench to play his part and saw an Albion fan sitting in a tree in true FA Cup style. One man for whom it would be a gross understatement to say played his part during his time with the Albion is Brian Horton and it is our very great pleasure and delight to say that the Albion's former Captain Marvel and genuine club legend has agreed to join us for a chat this afternoon, uh, this Monday I should say. Welcome to the podcast Brian, how are you? Good afternoon, yeah keeping well. Um, Excellent. Football's keeping me going and that one kept me going last night, uh, kept the nerves going so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good thank you. It kept us going far too long, in fact, didn't it? <laughs> uh, extra time and penalties, uh, always nice and relaxing. <laughs> well, I, I just I just saw them score the goal and I thought that was it. I went out for something, came back in and saw the ball going in the net for, for the equaliser. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's tragic, isn't it? You just knew it was going to go that way as well. The fact that it, the worst case scenario was just to have a, a long drawn out match with two games coming up in the next uh, in this coming week. Uh, just typical, isn't it? Um, but I have to ask you, first of all, Brian, um, have you ever scaled a tree to watch a football match? Uh, <laughs> no, I've probably scaled the trees on Oath Park to try and get out of training. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, footballers generally are, are known to not particularly like training, are they? Or at least all the oh, fitness no, I... side of it. Yeah. I love training, but that's that's where we used to train, believe it or not. Hove parking out the trees or, or at the uh, Greyhound track. Amazing for where we took the football club and we were training on places like that. It was uh, quite bizarre. 
yeah. <laughs> Brian, well, did you Brian, did you live near um Hope Park? Yeah, I lived in Hope Park. Um uh, Mark Lawrence didn't live close. We used to walk the dogs in the morning before we went to uh, to the Goldstone. Uh, and, one of uh, my um one of my early uh, childhood memories. I used to play for a team called Hope Park Colts, and we used to train at Hope Park on a Friday evening. And I remember seeing you. I can't remember if I saw Lawrence. I definitely saw. I'm sure Wardy was there at some point as well. You had a ridiculously large dog walking your dogs around Hope Park. <laughs> we used to stop our game just to watch you go past. Well, we'll I, I actually. <laughs> I actually bought uh, well, he's off. Oh. I think Brian might have frozen. Actually, and uh, when he when he got transferred to North Forest, I asked Mr. Bamber if I could. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yes, can hear you now. Yes, yeah. Froze up there for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Say, say again. So you you were um. Asking Mr. Bamber something. <laughs> I was asking Mr. Bamber if I could buy the, the house off him because Wardy obviously got to Nice Forest and, and that's what I did. So I, I moved into Peter Ward's place on Oak Park. All right. Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. We should mention, though, the voice you heard just a moment ago was Andy. Andy Bravery is with us, as usual, and uh, Peter and I. Um, we would actually um, just probably at this stage just ask you what you've been doing actually Brian because we've been busy doing podcasts <laughs> and some work as well um what have you been doing in recent times and how, how have you found the lockdown period because it's uh, strange times indeed isn't it at the moment it is it is um I was lucky to uh get the um Man City Newcastle game uh, to go on radio Manchester to do the live game from from the Etihad so that was good I got my house and doing and I'm doing I'm doing the uh, Crystal Palace game uh, next weekend, so that's given me something to do. Um, obviously, the podcasts and 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 this this stuff, the, the, all the zooms have kept me going. Publisher said I needed to do that to promote the book, which is it's a shame, really, that the book came out when this was all on, because obviously I can't come to Brighton and do a book signing or go to Hull and do one, or even go into into Man City Football Club and do one. So it's been a bit of a shame. So this has kept me going. Basically, it's been good to do and meeting you guys and. Uh, you know, bringing back great memories. It's been good. Oh, great. Well, I'm glad you're, uh, glad you're enjoying them and glad you're, well, ho hopefully you'll enjoy this one as well. Um, uh, one thing you have been doing as well is watching uh, the Albion, haven't you? And the aforementioned game that took place last night um, that left us all entirely relaxed uh, <laughs> up in Newport. Um, extra time, penalties. Um, I, well, basically, uh, what, what did you make of the game? What did you think? Well, I, I went to Newport uh, with Swindon when Phil Brown and I were at Swindon um, a couple of seasons back and the pitch was exactly the same then and it's, they have had major problems because they have rugby on it. So I knew it was never going to be a good pitch in the way Graham Potter wants to play and play it from the back and everything. I knew it was going to be tough to be able to do that. They tried to do it, obviously, and did it quite well. But uh, Newport are, are, are a decent team. They've had some good scalps over the last few years. Manager Mike Flynn's done a fantastic job there. So I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I fancied, I fancied Brighton to win it, but I didn't think it'd go to extra time and obviously did. And then the penalties and gosh, it was, uh, everybody's missing them, weren't they? I know I missed a couple, you know, in my days, but obviously, you know, when it's like, I've never been in one of those where it's so dramatic, you know, where the keeper's saving it, people reaching a post and it was a dramatic penalty shootout. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think, and, um, 
if it was given to Basuma, the man of the match award, apart from the fact I always think that's given slightly too early in games anyway, uh, it was made to look all the more ridiculous by the fact that then went to extra time and there was a whole huge chunk of the match still to be played. Um, but I did think possibly there's an argument for the Newport goalie um, prior to that, certainly after it was awarded, because um, he made another cracking save from Lewis Dunk late in the game. And then obviously you could you could argue for Jason Steele as well, saving four penalties in the shootout, which we eventually won the hard way as we did the rest of the of the game. Um, just to bring the other guys in on this one, so uh, Peter and Andy. I mean, first of all, Peter, what did you make of the game? Highs and lows? Any positives to take? I found myself weirdly relaxed, even during the penalties, to be honest. I, thought, I began to think it would be so typical of Albion to get to the bloody FA Cup final this season that I was almost <laughs> thinking that if we got knocked out, at least we wouldn't have the possibility of going to an FA Cup final in lockdown year when we couldn't, you know, for only the second time in our history. And for context, I wasn't even, I was only one win the last time, so I couldn't actually have, uh, I couldn't go, obviously. So to miss it because of, you know, or to have a half full Wembley even or whatever would be typical. Um, but obviously I was glad we won in the end. I mean, I, th- I think... It was a yeah. It was a it was a very typical Albion game. We had possession. We didn't really do an awful lot with it. We had forced the keeper into a couple of saves. Made a silly error. I mean, I'm not. I'm still not sure. I've been seen it so many times. What Steele was doing. I mean, he should have caught that rather than punching. So why he chose to punch it, I don't know. I mean, it was quite an easy catch. I would have said, but then yeah, fair play to him. He then stepped up in the shootout and yeah, did pretty well there. Can't really argue with four saves out of seven. Made up for it. And yeah, the number of penalties were pretty dreadful. I know Andy and I were having a discussion about Trossard yesterday and obviously he didn't have a great game um, and his penalty was awful. Um, I do agree with you there. I mean, he was pretty poor yesterday. It was my, my comments were more aimed at it being generally, I think he's done, you know, he's the one who kind of makes us a better team when he plays well. But yeah, yesterday, none of the, the attack really played that well and no one really did that brilliantly, except obviously it was a really good goal from March. Yeah, Andy? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, when you looked at the pitch, you thought, you know, I was kind of hoping that Potter might have mixed it up a little bit and played a little bit longer down the channels a bit and gave more play and Sakiri a bit of a chance to run down. But, you know, we didn't. So we tried to play our game, which was always going to be difficult. Um, you know, we, we were obviously going to get some chances, but were we going to take them? Um, goalkeeper decided, their goalkeeper decided to have a, a, a really good game, actually. It was one of those where you thought he might have actually won the game for them in the end. Um I thought that, um, you know, and, and I didn't think Still was having too bad a game. There was a point when he had to head the ball when I don't think he, he couldn't he couldn't catch it. I don't think he really knew quite what to do, but we got away with it. He made a few good saves and then, you know, he just has a an aberration, doesn't he, for that. He, he basically, his decision-making was really poor for the for the cross. Um, yeah, I mean, and Trossard just, um, last night, I just shook my head in despair. He didn't look like he wanted to be there. I don't know for from you know whether there's something going for him off the field, but he didn't look. And when he went up for the penalty, I, I just shook my. Head. I was hoping that the fifth penalty um, was going to be taken by Proper because I thought like he would really you know he'd, he'd finish it off. And then obviously it's Trossard, and then we're under more pressure again. Then you know, yeah, I, I mean, still on the earlier because he did, took a really good one at Millwall in the cup a couple of years ago when we got to the semi-finals. I, yeah. I was surprised he wasn't in the, in the first five. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought once again, Solly March had a you know another good game, great goal. And, and like I said before, I think that you know Potter this season playing him at wing back has kind of rescued his Premiership career, Premier League career. Because I I thought he was looking like he might drop down to the Championship, but he, you know along with Basuma, been our best two players all season really. You know, 
And I and I thought Webster looked good again. Yeah, he was very unlucky with the own goal. Nothing he could have done about that. Nothing at all, no. no. He finally yeah, finished the game off as well after yeah, I about took the penalty. attempt to do it. Very, <laughs> yeah. A very cool penalty. Very cool penalty yeah. for centre-half. It's an interesting class. Took really good penalties. And yet our yeah. strikers got missed that were really poor. It's classic yeah. Albion, isn't it? We have to do things the hard way as well. Um, having said that, another typical feature is we do tend to do quite well in penalty shootouts in terms of the outcome, at least. Uh, there's the Swindon playoff, there's Man City in the League Cup. Um, Luton was the, the aberration in the um, West one of Brian's former team. That, that one at Luton, which was horrendous. Yeah, that was terrible. Like, but the, the, the last 10 or something like that? Yeah, because Shrewsbury, I think, was the same year as Luton, wasn't it? Yeah. In the same competition. Um, we've obviously had um, Millwall that you mentioned a couple of years ago. Um, so generally do OK. But I did feel unconfident with the penalty shootout because I thought we'd probably overdue a defeat in one of them. But uh, thankfully, we managed to make it through. It, sh <laughs> it should have been um, a glorious winner for Solly, shouldn't it? Because he scored so much later than we wanted, but uh, uh, us to score. But it was a good goal, nicely taken, wasn't it? Um, talk us through that one, somebody. But Peter, what, what did you think of that? Yeah, it's really well worked. Um, nicely worked out to the wing and played across the proper. And yeah, it was quite the interchange between the two of them, where he kind of like marched on to get off his feet, was quite clever and kind of I think wrong footed a couple of defenders and then. Yeah, it was really well taken. He put it round, curled it round the defender. I don't know why I'm moving my hand to show that. No one <laughs> that. But um, yeah, curled it round. It was really well taken. Nothing the keeper could do. I don't think he could even seen it really because there were probably people in his way. So yeah, and you kind of assume at that point, 91 minutes or whatever it is, that's uh, game over. And then, yeah, it's typical Albion that it wouldn't be. Yeah, and the referees do, as I mentioned it earlier, the referees do seem to like adding extra time on top of the extra time on top of the extra time you know they, they give you the stoppage time and it, it rarely goes too much more than what they say does it I know it's the minimum of and all that but it's usually what maybe a maximum of 30 seconds added on um, we I think there was one maybe two subs at the same time in the stoppage time um, but he added on I think it was something like a minute and 20 seconds was it or something when we uh when we conceded the goal, oh, so annoying, isn't it? I mean, I don't know, Brian, did you see the earlier game in the season, the Man United match, which had just about everything? We hit the crossbar a record number of times since Optus stats began of, uh, for the top flight five times. Um, there was a, a penalty decision that wasn't clear and obvious that was overturned by VAR. And then United scoring that goal uh, was a penalty, but it was after the final whistle. Um, but it was also after the final whistle should have gone. Yeah, <laughs> did, yeah. did you catch that one? Yeah, watch the game. You, you never know what they, they're going to do, do you? I mean, uh, last night they they did bring Proctor and the other guy on a bit later on, so I think mm. and that was about right. But when when they've scored... ...about what, what, what happened to, to allow that to happen. I know Steele could have done better with a cross, um, but he, he redeemed himself, obviously, with the penalties. I I agree with Solly Marsh. I thought was very, very good. Great goal. Um, he, he's, he's doing well in that left wing back uh, position. Uh, I thought Dunk was outstanding. And you need you need your big, strong players, physical players on pitches like that, where you know it's going to be physical. It's not going to be a pretty game. I thought Dunk was uh, was excellent. Yeah, he yeah, had a couple of chances as well, didn't he? Like from him, well, not quite goal line, but going back and kicking kick off the line at some point, wasn't there? Yeah, I think he. I'm surprised he didn't get concussed from one he, he blocked with his head inadvertently as well. And he also had a <laughs> better chance as well to force the keeper yeah. into a better saves tonight. 
Yeah, I think the save that the keeper made low down from Zakiri, which is really unlucky from his point of view, because it was a brilliant save, not only in getting down to it, but the trajectory he got the ball away at um, was great. But the save from Dunk, yeah, I think that was a brilliant header. He got really good lift onto the uh, power onto that header. And the goalie, I thought, was beaten there. And suddenly you look at the ball going in a wrong direction. Um, but yeah, you're right, Brian. I think Dunk's Dunk's got back to his best. I think now he's he's looking really dangerous at the other end as well. Um, that's got to be a promising sign for us going forwards. Um, and Percy Tao made his debut, as we mentioned. Um, although he didn't score any goals and he didn't actually take a penalty, uh, didn't get to that stage. Um, again, someone else I might have liked to have seen before Trossard in the in the lineups um, for, for penalties. Um, but he, he looked quite lively as well. I don't know, guys, what you thought of him. Um, some good interplay, some good creativity, maybe? Well, I'll, what I'll say there, he, he had a couple of half chances, didn't he, when he came on? But, you know, you, hmm. you, can't, you can't make players take a penalty if they don't fancy it. And you know, some, it's a tricky situation. I've known players, yeah. listen, no, no, not for me, thank you. And it's, it's you know, you think a professional footballer would, would 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 like to take a penalty. I always did. And we used to share them. Me and Ward, if he missed when I was on it and, and vice versa. Um, and you've got to, you've got to fancy them. And, and you can't tell people how to take penalties. I had this issue with Alan Muller when he first came, when he said, I want you to blast them. And I said, I don't blast them. And you can't, you can't tell me what to do on a penalty. I need to just do it my way. So I just blasted the one against Crystal Palace when we beat him 3 0 on Boxing Day and just blasted it down the middle. Uh, so uh, at least that one pleased him. Well, that pleased everyone, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, penalties is a funny thing, isn't it? I think you're right. You can't, uh, it's, it's such a, you've got to be in your comfort zone. It's such a, a key mental moment in the game, isn't it? You have to be at ease and confident. And really, you just want to make it as um, formulaic as possible. You'd step up, hit it. You don't want to overthink it, do you, I suppose? Would that, would that be true for you, Brian, would you say, from your career? Well, uh, yeah. And, and again, I'd be watching, if I was to say, again, taking a penalty last night, uh, not knowing maybe if it's going to be a penalty shootout, but if I got a penalty, I'd, I'd recognise their keeper either right-handed, left-handed. Which way do they prefer to go? If you're right-handed, you generally want to go that way. So I, I would take all these things in. You know, today... They they studied and have the goalkeeping coach that would have told him uh, where where their penalty takers mainly take the penalties. They're up to all all that kind of issue, but um, it, it it is one that you, if you if if you're a player that don't fancy them, then you can't change his mind. It's it's one of those things that that, that you can't force people to do, you know. But obviously they've gone on and on, so they're going to have to take a penalty, aren't they? You know, and it gets down to the keepers where where it's happened. I agree with that keeper last night. It was absolutely fantastic, uh, brilliant, and uh, and so we're stealing the penalty shootout. I agree with what you said earlier on about man of the match before we play extra time. I just I don't I don't get that, you know. Um, I don't get that at all. Even yeah, in I think they do it with five minutes left or so, and you know, in the, that time, it's always typical that someone will make a mistake if they've been given man of the match or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they often, obviously, with there's crowds there, they normally announce it in the stadium as well, although that might be the club one. But it, nonetheless, it still, it to seems be fair, to be the, a bit the, unnecessary. The, match, the official one that the club do, that um, the sponsors do, it's so random anyway, it doesn't really matter when it's announced. They might as well announce it at kickoff, to be honest, given the... Uh, yeah, because <laughs> then they're just picking who they want to meet, aren't they? Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Yeah, which you'd like to think is the is likely to be the man of the match, or one of because the, the man of the match is likely to be one of the star players, I guess you might say. But um, anyway, <laughs> there we go. But we got there in the end. We got the result. That's that's us happy. Um, 
a really difficult fixture to negotiate, I think. And as Peter and I have said before, we, we like to tick off the grounds. We've done most of them, Brian, they're the current 92, but uh, neither of us have been to Newport. Uh, so it's incredibly frustrating that uh, the years and years I've been waiting for that and other draws to come up. It's typical it's come up this year when we couldn't be there. Um, or none of us apart from that Albion fan in the tree, of course. But uh, I'm assuming he's a local. Too, if you're in a tree outside the ground. <laughs> yeah, no, it can't, you can't count it if you're outside, can you? <laughs> um, well, that's, that'll do for the for the Newport game. Other than to say that does mean we are now in both fourth and the fifth round draws uh, because they're both taking place tonight. We're recording this Monday afternoon. It's taking place Monday evening. Um, this is obviously a logistics thing, isn't it, to... Uh, to know where we're at and what what the full pattern of the futures plan out for those that do get through the fourth round they'll know where they're going to be and i guess it's good to get plans in place as soon as possible that's got to be particularly brilliant for chorley isn't it i think that's, that's going to be fantastic for them to um we're also agonizing in a way probably if they get something like burnley away uh, or something like that and then they they find out the next game will be city at home uh, or for liverpool that might be a, a bit of a gutter. Yeah. I wonder if it'll affect our thinking as well. If we if we say, for example, to get a more winnable fourth round tie, but then get like Manu or Liverpool away in round yeah. five, then we're probably not going to go, go through anyway. Do we then play the reserves and you know, yeah. even, even lesser reserves with Fulham coming up the midweek after? That's a good point. Yeah. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have liked. I wouldn't have liked that as a player. That you, you know, you, you're going to play somebody that you think might be an easy game. So you'll you'll rest. You'll rest me. I I, I wouldn't have liked that. I don't, I don't know many players in my in 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 my career that would have said, "Oh, let's rotate and 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 play him there and not play him there and play." I I, I wanted to play every game that was there. If I can't play, if I can't play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, then there's something wrong. in my opinion. You know, the game has got probably faster and stuff like that, but I, I wouldn't want to be uh, a rotated player. Yeah, so Brian, can I, Brian, can Sorry, I ask on that? I just wanted to ask on that, Brian, because I mean, obviously, never at your level, but even when I, you know, even when I played, I like to be in a rhythm, and I got a rhythm from playing every week. Stop, start, stop, start. I would have found it hard just to come in for the occasional game, you know, for a game, and then maybe play two and then have a rest. I, I would never have appreciated that. No, to play football. Would that have been your view back then? Well, it, 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 this good story really, because I got suspended uh, whilst whilst I was playing for Brighton later on in the season, and I missed the late Orient game away. So we used to travel as a, as a squad. So obviously we, we've gone to late Orient as a squad, and all the players are not playing. I think there's only probably one or one or two subs then, maybe one. And and the gaffer made us go. We sat with the fans over in a far corner at late Orient. And uh, they drew 3-3, or we drew 3-3. And I thought he'd bring me back, being captain. And he sat me on the bench, charting at home. And I was absolutely furious. I was absolutely... Anyway, we, we went in about 3-0, and, and he said to me, go on then, have a good... Could probably see how sulking and got a face on. And he said, go on then, see if you can score one, make one. I went on, made one, we won 4-0. And then the next game, he brings me back. So I said to Ken Craig, so I couldn't... He could, the gaffer wouldn't have, you know... I, I, question him it's not really likes a question but I said to Ken Craggs he's number two I said Ken what's all that about you left me you didn't bring me back after you've drawn 3-3 three, three, or we've drawn 3-3 three, three, sorry and now he brings me back after we've won 4-0 what's that and he said he just wanted to let you know that you weren't irreplaceable and and it's good management isn't it you know mm. it, you know, just kept, kept you down basically to make sure that you, you knew where you were uh, good management, so but I, I hated just missing that one game. I want to get back and play as quickly as I can, you know. 
Yeah, somebody yeah. said on the, the BBC game, uh, the Marine Spurs match, I can't remember who it was on the commentary, said, oh, he's got his hat-trick in the first half, Vinicius, wasn't it? Um, yeah. He'll probably be okay with being taken off. And I think uh, at the time, I thought, surely not. And then whoever it was got called up on it, didn't they, <laughs> straight away? Yeah. Right, said right, yeah. right said he wouldn't have liked yeah, it, right. by the way. And yeah. then Alan, Alan Shearer's obviously, he was the same as his <laughs> he, he, Then he, as you say, he, he, he went, he bit straight away, didn't he? He went, well, come off after scoring three, one, or four, or five, or six. You know, in his, yeah, uh, he's got visions of a double hat trick in his head. I'm sure at that point. Games either, so surely he wanted to have a full ninety. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all the more so if he's if he's a reserve effectively at the moment. Um, but uh, crazy stuff. There we go. Anyway, we're into the we're at least into the fourth round. We'll see if we get further. Um, it would be good to go on a nice cut run, but only if it's not. The, um... Southampton game against was it Shrewsbury that hasn't been played yet, and the West Ham Stockport game get each other. So when they talk about the fifth round draw, they've got four options for. Oh yeah, that's going to get messy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, yeah. I think what probably five miles from Stockport, and I, I would have probably gone to that game, but obviously you can't go. One of my best mates is a season ticket holder with his mum, and 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 they can't go. It's just it's such a shame, but it'd be a good game for TV. And obviously, as you're saying there, all the draws done before, so it's going to be a chaotic draw, isn't it? Who do you play, and then who do you play if you win? And, and having a really good season, Stockport as well. I think they're like in the top six or something, aren't they, in the, in the national league? Yeah, he's got a good side. He's got a good side together to ruin his uh, relation, uh, playing his brother, I think. And uh, he's got he's got some good players. And he's probably got a good budget because the, the new owner, who's a massive Man City fan, he's took over the football club and pumped up quite a lot of bit of money in there. So they, they need to get back in the league. It's a shame, really, because the, the, the ground's good. They're training, I believe, at Man City's ex-training ground at Carrington. So the whole structure of the football club is, is geared to getting back in the league. It's not yeah, like they were in a championship, what, 20 years ago, something like that, they were in a championship or something? Yeah, like in the championship, yeah. yeah, beat Man City and, yeah, it's a place that I used to hate playing at. You know, you have some of these grounds where you never like playing, never could never win there. And, and, and you have that as a player or as a manager or, or a team where you think, cool, we don't fancy them there, never do very well there. But um, it's, it's a good setup and it'll be a good game again. They'll give West Ham a game tonight. Yeah, would when, you ever, when I went Brian, on that, would you ever analyse why you might not like playing somewhere? Or would it just be a feeling that you'd have? Well, Jose Marino said it before the game, didn't he? He said, he said I won't take the blame tonight. If, if we lose at Marine, it's their fault, not mine. I've told them, you know, they know the, what the pitch is like. And I thought they were very professional. And and this is what, what you need to be. It's no good thinking, oh, we win easy here tonight and, you know, it's horrible being in the dressing rooms are awful and it's cold and it's wet and it's raining and no crowd. And so th their attitude was spot on, wasn't it? I mean, they went yeah. very yeah, quickly. I mean, things like a lot, a lot of the quality is to do with things like speed of thought and intelligence within the game, isn't it? And if you, if you are being more relaxed, you're probably slowing down those processes, I would imagine. And that's what maybe an element that levels it up a bit as well, perhaps. Is that part yeah. of what? Yeah, some of these but, some of these, some of these boys at Stockport have been in the league, so they're they're, they're no mm. mugs, you know. They've they're, they're, it's it's a good level that they're playing at with the conference, so um, they they'll have to be on the toes tonight with West Ham. Yeah, well, when we went to Stockport uh, with the misses, it was an evening game away, and it's Edgeley Park, isn't it? The ground, I think. yes, yeah. Um, and it was a goalless draw, so you're right, we didn't get a result either when we went there. Um, I did also see them at Wembley. I see they do get a decent crowd. They, they played a playoff against Rochdale. I've got a feeling um, 
Liam Dickinson, one of our former players, was playing in that game. Um, he was there, yeah. Yeah, and um, I went down just to tick Wembley off, actually, and um, my mate is a Brighton fan living in Rochdale, so we went in the Rochdale end, and uh, it was quite a quite a decent turnout from Stockport, I have to say. They had, a, they had far more fans there, and um, they're a decent-sized club. Uh, they had Jim Gannon doing well for them, and when he left, I think, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how related it is, but things have gone downhill, and he's yeah, come back. They had some financial issues as well, didn't they? They had, yeah. some, they had they still doing... half their squad to Albion at one point. Yeah, that's right. And we tried to we tried to get the manager, didn't we? We tried yeah, to get him at one point, and he turned us down. I think. Nolte came to us. Um, yeah. He was there, I think. Um, Dickinson went to us via derby. There was quite a few Stockport players who then went on to play for Albion. Yeah, and he's he's doing well for them again, Jim Gannon. So it's all that's good. Well. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so with uh, with regard to um, uh, the uh, your career, then really, and I was going to come to that in a moment, Brian. But first of all, just to sort of talk us through. Um, how things all started. So you, you, whereabouts were you, you're from, um, whereabouts originally and what was life like growing up as a, as, what was your childhood like? Um, I was born in Ensford and uh, 1949, I'm 72 in February, I can't believe it. Um, but my dad's a minor, he, he, people tell me he was a very good football and people used to say he was better than ever I was and I used to go well who did he play for and everything but he, he loved football and he was a, a massive Wolves fan so I became a massive Wolves fan from probably the age of five six where he used to take me put me on the wall behind the goal and then collect me after the game and they were the best side in England then by the way and you know they were winning cups and leagues and stuff and uh, Ron Flowers was my my favourite player uh, my hero and um, it, they were great days uh, so I went up playing for the school team, for the county, when I was 15, for, for Staffordshire and then Birmingham District. Didn't quite make the England 11. Some of my players that I played with at that level did. And um, then I went to Warsaw as an apprentice when I, when I was 15. Yeah, excellent. And Wolves would have been the, the, lo the most local team, wouldn't it, in terms of professional status for, for you? Would, it, would that be right? I'm not sure of the geography. Well, we're, we're, we were very lucky, really, because we had... Mm. Wolves are obviously in the top top division. Uh, Villa, West Brom, Birmingham. So if Villa were, were if Wolves were away, we would then choose the next best game. Right. And there was is from where I live. There was a bus going to every 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 game. So we would say say then West Brom were playing uh, Tottenham. We would go to that game. And, and so we had great choice of football. It was a the, the Midlands was a was a fantastic football place at that time. You know, all the all the sides were in the top league. But Wolves was obviously my the team that I, I wanted to win all the time. And it was funny really because uh, it, during my Brighton Brighton career, where we played more than I played at other places, probably might played against them was at Luton. But we could we could never lose to them. We used to beat them all the time. And it was funny that. And I turned I turned when I left Luton to go to a Hull. I had the opportunity to go to Brighton as a, uh, to to Wolves as player coach, and I turned it down to become manager of Hull City. And it's it's not a regret because my career went on, you know, to to do what I did as a manager. But I always wanted to play for Wolves, and it was a massive, massive decision that I had to make. And I chose yeah. to go to Hull City to be the manager. Yeah, um, when you were growing up, I mean, who were your main influences in those formative years? In terms of you mentioned. Um, you know, the, the Wolves days, was it that presumably it was those players that uh, were the big influence on you in a footballing sense and uh, and that kind of thing? The biggest influence was uh, a, a guy called Ron Bullis, who was a teacher at another school. 
And he, he run a team called Canic Athletic in the Warsaw Junior Youth League that was under 18s. And uh, he used to take me and two or three other guys, lads, training in the week and do ball skills and stuff like that we'd never, ever done before. And I was actually playing for the under-18 team when I was 11, won the league. And, and he was the m major influence on me from, say, 11 to 15. Yeah, excellent. And so you, um, you did your um, sort of the hard yards, I suppose you could call them in football, but may, maybe less well-known to Albion fans than the, the later times with the, with the bigger clubs. But you started, is it right, you started with Warsaw, got released and then ended up at Hensford for your first years as a player. Is that right? Yeah, I was uh, uh, 15 when I went to, uh, left school at 15 in those days. So 15 to 17 was the apprenticeship and they could extend it to three if they wanted to or sign your pro at 17 mm. or if you if they've left it for a year, sign your pro at 18. And I thought I'd done okay. I'd, I broke into the reserve side when I was 17 in my second season and I thought I'd done okay and for whatever reason, they chose to not renew my contract. And so I got a free transfer at 17. Uh, I had to get three buzzes home to Ensford, where I lived. Broke my heart, probably crying all the way home, thinking my world's ended. And and, and, and it was, but, you know, I, I went to Ensford to to, uh, to play for them. Uh, Dick Neal, who'd been a, a player himself, he was the manager. He took me in 17. I went to work, work on the building which I really, really enjoyed. I was, I was very small when I was 15, to, to say 17, probably 5'5". Five, five, and uh, sort of going on the building, it, it, it helped me grow up as a person. It helped me grow physically. And my, my days at, at Hensford were fantastic. I had four great years. And we were a good team, full of ex-pros. And we won the Staffordshire Senior Cup, which was my very last game before I went to Port Vale. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed those four years working on the building and, 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 uh, and playing for Hensford. And I had to take, would you believe, I had to take a drop, a big drop in wages to go back to Port Vale at 21. I was earning more money on the building and playing for Hensford than I was when I went back to Port Vale. But I wanted to be a footballer again and, and I took the chance and it obviously worked. I think that's great that you really, really do see this, um, the worth in that time of uh, who really wanted to be a footballer you know you, you had to really push for it didn't you uh, by the sounds of it to be uh, taking a wage cut to uh, or an overall wage cut to uh, to play the game you love that's uh, that's the true testament isn't it which is it's great um and then you um so Port Vale was the first pro club that was 1970 wasn't it according to Wikipedia it is anyway <laughs> on yeah 70 70 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and they you just played I just got promotion from the fourth to the third as I joined. I played one reserve game at the start of the season and then got broke into the team and never never played another reserve game all my career. Uh, player manager also. Yeah, so it started, we had some good players. Uh, a lot of players that come like me from non-league, free transfers from other clubs and the club had very little money. Uh, but we, we had a fantastic team, team spirit. Nobody wanted to play us. Uh, we were physical, we were strong, um, and it was, it was, again, great times, you know, great team spirit, great times, and I, and I, had, I had great years there. Um, yeah, I think it's the most games you played, wasn't it, at Port Vale, I think, to, just by a short head, I think, is that right? Just under 250 somewhere? Yeah, just just uh, just a few more, I think, that I played for the Albion, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's brilliant. So six years, I think... Um, with Vale, by the looks of it here, and then another five years with the Albion, which was 76 to 81. This is, of course, the stuff that our listeners will be most interested to hear about. Um, 
how did it come about, first of all, the transfer? Um, and I, as I understand it, I think if my timelines are correct. Peter Taylor signed you, but wasn't there for very long. Is that right? That's right. Um, we played Crystal Palace on, on a Tuesday night and uh, it was Thursday was deadline day for the transfers March. And uh, we played Crystal Palace. We, for, for once in the season, we were right up there with the Brighton, with Millwall, with Palace for, for, for going for, for a promotion. Playoffs weren't in in those days. And uh, I scored. We drew 2-2. Absolutely elated. We've got a good result at Palace. We came in the dressing room and Roy Sproson, who was the manager I played with uh, as well, and then Roy took over. Uh, he died recently. God bless him. Great guy. And uh, he came to me straight away and he said, Brian, we've sold you today. We've agreed a fee with Brighton for £30,000 and you've got to go down for talks. Um, and I, I, I was the only one that didn't know, by the way. Apparently all the players knew on the way down, but never couldn't say anything. The fact that I was going, so I played the game, and it's crazy, crazy. I got a call, for, I got a shout from someone else who had probably heard what was happening from Palace and said, you know, don't don't sign for them. We're Terry Venables as the manager. We we want you to come here in the summer. So I went down for talks. There was a car waiting for me uh, to take me to Brighton. I met Peter Taylor in the Metropole. He was watching the football uh, that was on on the Tuesday night, and. Uh, we had talks. Uh, they were playing Shrewsbury Town. Brighton were playing Shrewsbury the next night at the Goldstone. Got beat 4-0. I had to get my wife down now because she knew nothing about it till she could come down on the Wednesday. And then we had talks, uh, L talks again on the Thursday morning. And uh, and, I, and I signed and, and it was a fantastic move for me. Excellent. It's funny, isn't it? In those eras, um, we were talking about Gordon Smith briefly off air before we started recording. And um, he was telling a story, of, I think, something about how his transfer was coming about. It did seem that, you know, you would, you were just very much the commodities. You're going to, like, we've made this deal, you're going. That seemed to be the, the sort of the thrust of it, the way that uh, it was presented to players by the, the owning club, so to speak. Um, is, would that be the case, do you think? Well, it's more congenial it's just, he just said to me that the fee was £30,000. The club needed the money. The chairman had, had mm. insisted that I go because the bank were, were, were wanting, you know, some money. Uh, and and that basically, that, that I had to go. I could have said no, couldn't I? I mean, it, at the end of the day, it was my decision. And, 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 mm. and we're talking now on deadline day morning. That's when we're having the next conversation. So I'd only got till the afternoon to say yes or no. And uh, obviously, I, I, I knew about playing for Brighton. But some people said to me, why, why are you going down there? Why you? And I, I used to love playing at the Goldstone when I was at Port Vale because there was always, you know, big, bigger gates than what we had at, at Port Vale at that time. It would be 15, 16, 18,000, whatever. And I thought, wow. And the pitch was always immaculate. And I loved playing there. And, and obviously the place, um, the place caught, caught my eye. And I, and, and I thought, wow, to, to live down here as well. As, as playing football and it was it was a fantastic move for me and you know obviously we went on and on and 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 went to the top division for the first time ever which we'll probably talk about in a minute but it was just a fantastic but Peter Taylor only only lasted about 11 games he he, he went back with Peter Taylor eventually didn't he so then Alan comes in Alan Muller is Alan's only 34 I'd be 27 27 coming 28 um yeah, yeah 27 so uh I thought, wow, well, I'm already coming in. World Cup player, Tottenham, Fulham. Got. I thought, oh, my days could be numbered here straight away. You know, that, that, that happens sometimes. Anyway, he came in and he made the decision that he was retiring and he wasn't going to play again. And uh, 
he, he said he saw a lot of himself in me, which was great of him to say. He made me captain, carried on as Peter Taylor, made me captain straight away, which I, I always enjoyed doing. And uh, obviously the rest is history with Alan, which was which was fantastic. But the club needed the money at that time, Port Vale, so I had to I had to take that bear that in mind as well, you know, because I'd had, I'd had great times there, but it was time for me to move on. I thought I'd done enough, and I wanted to go and play, you know, uh, for a bigger and better club. Andy, yeah, I was just I was just going to say because I mean the, at that time the other the other young young player that um, Peter Taylor brought in obviously was Peter Ward. So you had this. You know, you had the combination of you and Peter Ward, and then Mallory. I think it is um, second, the second season when we're after we missed out. I think we've this when we missed out on promotion to the top division. Mark Lawrenson, and then you've got you've got a spine of a team there, haven't you? A really good spine of a team. Well, you've got Fozzie. Fozzie, Fozzie was a good player. Uh, yeah. Mark, two 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 excellent players. Uh, Gary Williams, he bought from Preston. Uh, Chris Catlin. Kenny, after Kenny Tyler, who, who had a lot of experience, uh, myself, Sully. Sully was a good player, Peter O'Sullivan. Mm. He, he, was, he didn't get the recognition he deserved for me. Steve Piper, God bless him. We, we forged a good pair together. Uh, Wardy and Mella first, first of all, and then brought Teddy Maybank in and, and they had a good partnership. But Wardy was a good player. He was, um, he was an exceptional finisher. In training, he was exactly the same. Uh, just... just just a little slight guy, wasn't he? You'd look at him and think, nothing there, but the way he'd go by players and, and his finishing was... And he was like that in training, um, where he, his finishing was absolutely first class. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing he always, that was one thing he always insisted, the gaffer, that which we, we, we trained properly. I know we, I was talking about Oath Park and, and the ground track and everything, but the fact that we, we trained properly, you know, he wanted us to be the same through... And I was, I was the same. If I'm playing a, an 8v8 or a 10v10, I want to win it. I'm not there just for, for, for a mess about on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday morning. So he instilled that, he instilled that into us, to be perfectly truthful. Yeah. Just on the matter of the signing, just one thing on that was um, just to explain to anyone that doesn't know, if I'm right, I think there was a man, there was a March uh, transfer deadline day, wasn't there, um, as well, and you signed on the last day of that window um, yes. in March of '76. Yeah, and yeah. I'm certainly glad you did sign. <laughs> You've gone on to be a legend. My, I started supporting '79, '80. You could call me a glory hunter on that basis, uh, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Um, my my first memories, you know, it's the, I was eight years old at the time, so um, I don't remember too much about the intricacies of the actual games and, you know, the dy dynamics and the tactics and all that sort of stuff. But it's about the personalities, the charisma of the players on the pitch. And the people that stood out for me were two of the people you just mentioned there, Peter Ward and Sully and yourself. And um, it was a really happy time for me, certainly growing up. And I know, Andy, you're roughly in the same uh, same era um you probably both of you might remember these books as well i'll just hold them up for the camera so we got some up up and away which uh, was the catalogue of the uh, promotion season uh, which is my first brighton book and here was my second one super seagulls uh, which uh, this doesn't work well for the uh, audio obviously but uh, brian's having a look <laughs> i'm sure have you got a copy of those books as well brian yeah, yeah i, I have copies yeah no, i've got <laughs> I've got a photograph in my hall, of, and it's it's uh, with me having just scored, and that that's down there that you show with all the all the fans there, the open, uh, yeah. the open, and 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 see that full like that, you know, it just brings, and it's in my hall, so every day I, I walk past it, it brings back unbelievable memory. Because we we've then took the we've took because I said it wasn't a football town, and we took the we took it 
34,000 people. 34,000 that we got promotion from the old third division, beat Sheffield Wednesday. 30,000 on there. And it was not a football town. And then obviously, you know, with, with the games in, then we're getting promotion from the third to the second and missing out and then going to the top league and getting, you know, your Liverpools, your Arsenal, Tottenham's to come to, to Goldstone. They were, they were incredible days. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, two things you just mentioned, I'll come to you in a second, Andy, sorry. I was going to say, um, one thing is you mentioned about um, people always asking if you're an outsider to Brighton, why do you want to go down to Brighton? And often this is mentioned um, that it was a really good place to play football. Lots of people um, of the same generation have said that they enjoyed playing there. Um, you know, that that was one of the answers and, and obviously the town itself once they got to know it. And the other thing is there does seem to be a genuine ongoing underestimation of us as a football town. You, you mentioned it being sort of described as not being a football town and then you get there and realise it is. Uh, Clough was, I think, saying something similar, wasn't he, back in the day? Um, and it seems to be a recurring theme, even almost permeates through to today. There's almost undertones in it when Leeds are trying to sign Ben White and all the Leeds fans were going online. And there were some of the comments where I know Peter's smiling because he's always having a go at Leeds. So it's my turn now. But um, no, there's, there's sort of even even then there's sort of an undercurrent of almost this, oh, you're not a proper club. And I know Leeds is a bigger club than Brighton, but um, there's almost a bit more than just that. There's a bit more of that's not a proper football place. Come up to Leeds. And um, it's interesting that that perception persists through the years to some degree. I think it's because it's like, you know, obviously touristy place, the seaside yeah. place, uh, you know, miles from anywhere apart from the London thing, isn't it? So, yeah. but And there's the non-industrial uh, element, isn't there? I think that, that feeds into it, for sure, the non-industrial element. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, when we all left at that particular time, when the gaffer, you know, left, we were having a, an argument with, with Mike Bamber about Sully Mark and then, Mark goes, I went, John Gregory went, Sully went, and it broke up a good team. You know, we just we just stayed up where we had to win our last four games to stay up, which is part of the process, isn't it? You you got up and then you had to fight for a couple of years to establish yourself. And 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 I thought we were we were, we were doing that. Uh, the gaff was bringing some really good players in. Um, Mike Bamba was allowing him to spend quite a lot of money on players. You know, the, my 30 grand had gone way up to lots, lots more high fees, and it it, it was just. It was, so, it was sad the way it ended, really, you know, for, from our point of view, because we, we never saw that coming, if you like. We stayed, we won those four games to stay up and we thought, oh, next season, you know, we've got this again. And bang, all of a sudden, the gaffer goes and, and, and it's, it's broken up, you know, shame. But, mm. I mean, Sully went to Fulham, John Gregory went to QPR, uh, I went to Luton, Mark went to Liverpool. That was a big one that, that the gaffer wanted him to go to Man United and get a couple of players from Man United and... And then the story went that, he, that Mike Bamber obviously wanted the, the, the money that I think, I think it was 900 grand, wasn't it? That I think Mark went for. Mm. But he was always going to be a top player. I'll speak to, the, the, to Mark and Fozzie and Teddy Maybank and a lot of other players. I still speak to them today. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a place where I have fantastic memories. And I, I, I could have lived there for the rest of my life uh, if that hadn't have, have happened. And I, I often think, should I have kept my eyes in Oak Park? It was a lovely place to live. But then you've got to move on, haven't you? You know, I went to Lewis and then I went to all City as, as manager. So, you know, you can't always live somewhere where you're miles and miles away. Yeah. It, Would have certainly been worth it, hanging on to it with uh, today's prices, Brian. <laughs> Must be worth a fortune I now. I, 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 funny enough, I look, so I, was, I got through the, all the websites my old club and, and I'm looking at Brighton and I just clicked on to properties, you know, and I, oh, hmm. I wish I hadn't done it. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's happening with the, the, the current promoted team today as well. I mean, a lot of the ones who took us up are leaving now, especially since Hewton's gone and players are leaving. And, you know, while I mean, I think you do need to do it to progress, it does leave it. There's a bit something lost, I feel, as well, losing the likes of, you know, Knockart and Stevens and players who were key to promotion and Murray as well, you know, all kind of going. And, you know, and even the ones who played the first season, like Ryan and Grosh, and that's the aren't, aren't guaranteed first team places now. Hmm. Moves on. One quick question. I want to go back to Andy. Sorry, I didn't come back to you just now, Andy. But one, one other question while we're talking about when you left, Brian. Um, we did have a question from one of the uh, one of our friends who's actually one of those guys in Manchester, funnily enough, um, Alistair Jones, who's an Albion fan. And he asked us to ask you, does he think that if he'd stayed with us beyond 1981, could we have avoided relegation in 83? And what does he think we need to do to avoid uh, the same fate this season as well, he asked. But um, in terms of the first part of that question, um, it's almost, if you say yes to that, it sounds a bit, <laughs> setting you up to be a big head, doesn't it? But um, honestly speaking, say, say if you and a couple of those others had stayed, do you reckon that could have made the difference? Or, to, or was it just a case of it naturally evolved into a different team and it was always going to be what it was going to be? Well, I was very jealous of Voice of the Vision because I went to Cup Final, didn't I? Uh, you know, so I, would have, yeah. I never played at Wembley. So I would have loved to have played at Wembley. But once Mike Bailey made a decision that he was splitting it up and getting his own players in, then there's nothing you can do. I went to that final. And uh, quick story, I went with Peter Sudderby and, and uh, Maureen Nolan, who was going out with the time. And I went with my wife and we met them up in London. And we walked into the pub just outside Wembley. And it was absolutely rammed with, with Brighton fans. And it all, all went quiet. And I thought, oh. They've spotted me coming in, and it wasn't they spotted me. They spotted Maureen Nolan, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was obviously a great game. And obviously, the, it, it it always it always goes back to uh, Smudger having a chance in the last on the last kick of the game, wasn't it? Oh, Where uh, yeah. normally Mike Michael Robinson again, God bless him. Robbo never normally would have would have passed in that situation, and I think yeah. that caught that caught him unawares a little bit, but. Um, Obviously, the replay went against the Man United. We're a good side, uh, but I would have liked to play in that game. But then uh, we got promotion in my first year at, uh, at Luton. Had a good side, and unfortunately, I was in the Luton side that beat Brighton twice, and they went down. So that didn't give me great satisfaction, to be perfectly truthful. But you know, it's it's what happens. And the three years under David Pleat at Luton were, were absolutely first class. And I learned, I, I learned a lot of former manager when Gordon Lee took me into Port Vale. Uh, because of how he'd had to manage freeze and 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 uh, non-league players, um, Alan Mullery the way he was, and I've said this to him many times. Gaffey couldn't, he wouldn't be able to manage today because he was so hard. He wanted more and driven, and you know he would just go berserk if he lost. And that that's gone by now. And then I went with David Pleat, and he learned me another way of his coaching techniques and stuff like that. So. Again, three great three great times at uh, at uh, Port Vale, uh, Brighton, and Hull. So sometimes you have to you have to do those, and you learn off different people. So I've always had this attitude: I never look back, never ever look back, and think, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I did it, and I did it, and it's all worked out great for me. So um, I, I've I've always had that mentality, you know. Excellent, Andy. Sorry, yes, I'll finally let you back into the <laughs> into the chat. There. Sorry about that. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was, I was just going to say that. I mean, I was looking at your your the, the pictures that no one else can see, and um, so I would have been there, Brian, out on the East Terrace in um, seventy six, seventy seven. I started watching seventy five, seventy six, but really 
76, 77, I was on it. I was there with my dad's mates. I was nine, 10 years old. And my little blue stool on the terrace, you know, and they were, we're getting, like you say, 33,000 for the big, for the big game. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever seen um, the author Spencer Vignes, he wrote the book Bloody Southerners, which is a quote from Cluffy. But actually he, he, he thinks that the, the sort of the transformation of Brighton from this kind of backwater football club into something a bit bigger and a bit more meaningful started off with the Cluffy Taylor era, which obviously then was taken on by Mullery and you were very much part of. And one of the things that always used to strike me about you, because um, I don't normally get awestruck by, by talking to ex-footballers, but you are, as a child, you were one of my heroes. You know, I would, when you were in the team, which was most of the time, because probably like me, you like to play football, um, which kind of leaves me confused sometimes with one or two players today. They don't seem to want to play. They just want to get paid. But there'll be some games, you know, like we want, maybe we needed a bit of a kick up the backside and you'd be there and you just have your fist out, you know, come on, let's get going. You know, and you, you, you get a sense of you as a leader and that you were someone that people could, I mean, obviously there were other personalities, but someone who could really, we could build the team around, you know, and I followed the team always at home. Sometimes I got to go away, luckily, because my dad would go and, Still, for me, my um, my greatest day ever as a Brighton fan was watching you beat Newcastle 3-1 when we got promoted. I mean, that's that's always stuck in my memory that day. And uh, beforehand, we were all a bit tense about, you know, we're going to win this. What else could happen? You know, and then we're 3-0 up and no one cares anymore because we're strolling it. You know, they were all great memories for me. Great, great memories. And, 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 I, and I don't know, but it must be lovely being a, a professional footballer knowing that you, you know, that you, you gave people those memories as well as lived them yourself. Well, that, that goal, um, someone, someone sent it on, my, on, a, on a Twitter thing and I, I can watch it nearly every day, that goal. And I, and I do most days, if I'm looking through it, I'll just press it and it shows that, that, that we'd had two or three corners on the spin. Gary Williams took, them, took one from that side, took one. And that's when I thought, I'm, I'm going in on this one. And obviously it worked. And then to go three in the up, at half time was was it was fantastic. But that day everybody says to me what was probably the best day, the best moment. And I always I always say that moment was probably one of the best in my career. Although I had promotions at my first year at Luton, my first year as a manager at uh, at all. That that goal was probably the, the biggest highlight. Yeah. Okay. Jenny, I was gonna from- I was gonna um so I was gonna go because when we, we spoke to Gordon Smith and actually fun enough he said the same about um Robin, Robbo, uh, God rest his soul, that um, he was shot that he passed it to him. But what was also really interesting when we spoke to him was that, talking about regrets, is that he said at the time during his career, he didn't really think about that missed opportunity. He just played his career. But I, since he's finished playing football, he said that it's one of the few regrets that he has in, in football that he didn't score and he couldn't give us the FA Cup final. So, um, you know, I it was kind of, I was a bit surprised when he said that. I thought he would have just sort of said, you know, that's just how it was, you know, and you move on. But he, he actually, you could see he still felt that that loss, really. I think it's because he's brought up so many times, isn't it? And every time yeah, yeah. I see him, yeah. he was my neighbour behind, we are talking about in, in Oak Park, he was my neighbour behind, we used to walk, we used to walk together a lot of training. And uh, so, and I still kept in touch with him loosely, and I know, and he was a good finisher. 
he was a very, very good finisher. Smudge, and he, he, uh, I, I bet, I bet he would say that he never expected Robbo to. But well, he just said it, and I, and I think that that was it. But um, and it, had they had they scored that time, then then the, the, again in in history, the, the Brighton won the FA Cup, and then the replay, which I didn't go to, they, they got murdered, didn't they, in the second? Yeah, minute. we did. Yeah. But, yeah. So, Lazar, can I just talk? Because I'm I'm going to have to put my yeah. phone on charge. Because it's getting quite low. Yeah. Can, yeah. can I do that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Yeah. I, might yeah. to, I might just have to sit somewhere else. Um, let me just put yeah, plug no it problem. in. <laughs> oh, I think it'll probably go over to where I was. I'm gonna, um, one thing I was going to say, Russ, when um, Brian comes back, there's a couple of things actually. One, one was um, his relationship with David Pleat, because I'm sure I've heard Brian say that. He used to phone David Plea every Sunday morning just to talk about football. And the other one was around Brian when he um, when he started to think about becoming a manager, because I'm sure if my memory is correct, for a while he managed um, a, a pub team in Brighton on a Sunday, a Sunday morning pub team. I'm sure I've seen him. I sure I saw him there one day managing that when he was still playing for the Albion. Yeah. Excellent. Well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to get Brian. I think Brian's coming back in a second. I'm back now. I'm back. Yeah, I just You're put back? the phone charge. Yeah, I'm back. I'm just I've just moved. You can see uh, where's oh, one yeah. of my, oh, yeah. that's the one at the Albion in front <laughs> ah, of marvelous. Yeah. So got a I've got an array of photos on the wall we're looking at here in the in the background. So it's all good. All good. Got Brilliant. my boot and brace in my whole days. Yeah, this is my uh, trophy. Yeah. Because you, because you went on. We should mention you went on to play for three years, I think, for Luton, wasn't it? Eighty-one to eighty-four, and then on to Hull for playing and managing, wasn't it? Which is where the uh, management career started. But um, yeah, just go going back to Andy. You were going to just ask Brian. I don't know if you caught what people were saying just now, but um, if not, do you want to relay that yeah, again, so Andy? The, so the first thing Brian was, um, I, I'm sure I've got. A, a memory, a childhood memory of actually when you were still playing for Brighton that you used to manage a Sunday football team. I did. Brighton, I managed, right? Yeah, I managed Westine. Um, Westine, I, I, yeah. I, I bought my first house up by uh, the windmill up there and I knocked on my door one day and it was two, two lads, probably about 20, 21, saying, would you come and coach us? Uh, we, train, <laughs> uh, we train at the Withdean. Uh, on on the main pitch, by the way, they trained on there. Yeah, uh, we sure Steve of it. He would be going around the track. Yeah, a lot of yeah. athletes would. And uh, eventually, they said to me, "Would you come and take us on a Sunday morning? I'll pick the team and stuff like that." So I did that, and we actually we actually won a Sunday. Uh, it's my first ever trophy as a manager. Uh, we won yeah. we won one of the uh, we won one of the cups uh, Sunday cups, and we actually played at the dripping pan at Lewis. Yeah. And uh, we all got merrily drunk after the game, and it was much celebration. And they were good to they were good to work with. They were good kids, and just uh, quick kids. Twenty twenty one. Uh, I couldn't go every Sunday because obviously we played up north. On I used to stay up north after games somewhere. But my, when I when I could make it, but I trained them every Thursday night, and it was my first sort of start into to coaching. And I was I was doing my coaching badges, starting my badges down in uh, when I was at Brighton. So uh, it was yeah. it was good to work with them. So it's quite a good way. Do you remember to... John Vinicum, the reporter? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. John, John, John was president of, of that team. And I used to get stick off the lads because he'd give me a man of the match and he'd say, the lads would slow to me saying, you had to get a man of the match because he's, 
he's your, he's your gaffer for the Sunday team at Westie. <laughs> and the other thing I've, I've heard you say before, I mean, obviously you've just mentioned David Pleat and, and clearly he, he was quite a significant influence on your career. And you, I'm sure you said as well that you used to like phone him up every Sunday morning for a chat and just talk about football. Speak to him every week now. and always Even now, yeah. Is, yeah. Even now. Even now. I speak to Ken Craggs every week. I spoke to Alan Moore last week. And I keep in touch with them because they're such special people to me. You know, the, the, the fact that they, they had such a major part in my playing days. Uh, David was a great coach. He's, he's not too well at the moment, but he, he just... He just loves his football and the things I learned off him were, were, were a different class, you know. Um, he, he was great to work with and obviously promotion the first year. Um, and I, I never got a medal. We got promotion to promotions at Brighton. We never actually finished top. We should have finished top when we were in the old third division because we were the best side. But we were up and we and we, we almost stopped playing because we were up, and, which happens. You know, what I think Phil won it and we should have won it. But when I went to, to Luton, we we won the we won the championship by miles. We were the best. Obviously, get, went up to the top division. And similar, we had to go. To, if you remember, we had to go to Man City on that last Saturday and win the game. City, yeah. Four and we had. To, and Dave yeah. David skipped across the pitch and kissed <laughs> me on the cheek and he said, "Any way you want." I said, "I know, Gaff, from my contract, sorry." <laughs> Uh, really is an iconic true, image, that. isn't it? Him running across that pitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I like running. He's more like bouncing. What's the arms going? You know, <laughs> jacket going. <laughs> he gets embarrassed about it. He gets embarrassed about his, uh, about the suit and the shoes that he had. And it, this, this is again true. It, the, the shoes he had were like a, a light brown tan pair. Myself and Raddy Antish, who scored a goal that day, and Raddy. God. And he, he skipped across the pitch in that suit and shoes and he was embarrassed. And myself and Raddy and, and, and David were doing a, a Q&A at Luton for Trevor. Uh, and uh, we'd actually bought, he moved out, he'd actually bought the shoes to, the, to that night and he auctioned them and a young girl paid a few grand for them and he gave <laughs> the money to charity. He said he'd found them. <laughs> so that's a, that's a true story. Then he said, "Then he would get he would get embarrassed about that when he skipped across the pitch and and did that." Uh, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! Uh, yeah, it's it an the, iconic uh, moment. And, and I did, and we stayed up. Yeah, yeah. it was like a I mean, moment. Yeah, and and I mean another one was um more, more not a visual one, just more anecdotal one is uh, the trip back after we got promoted, Brighton in uh, in seventy nine. Uh, the train, the train journey back was apparently uh, notorious. <laughs> Can you tell us quickly about that? I know you've probably told this story a number of times before, but uh... <laughs> well, well, it, well, it started. The, the club had started the Seagull Special, hadn't they, where the fans used to come mm. to to uh, to games before, prior to that one. And uh, if if we won, we would we and the gaffer was great. He 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 would throw me a cigar. There's an occasional cigar at that time. He'd throw me a cigar up. We had a, we we could have a drink what we wanted to. If we lost, he wouldn't let us have a drink. He could hardly speak. He couldn't smile. This is how the way Alan was with us, and 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 quite right. But that that trip back from Newcastle was uh, was special because we we went down the Seagull special with a with a champagne and. 
uh, goodness knows what time we got back in Brighton, and the fans were on the they were on the uh, on the on the platform station uh, at the station, and we went out again in Brighton, and then had had a celebration around the town the next day on the open top bus, and it was just uh, just incredible days. And Brilliant. again, the teams the team spirit we had down there, and and it started it started from Mike Bamber and and, and the directors where. They used to travel on the on the uh, team coach with us, Harry Bloom, um, Dudley Sizens, chairman, Mr. Appleby, and and they would sit down the front playing cards and we'd be at the back, and and they would travel with us and they'd go abroad with us if we went on a trip, and it, it was almost like a part of you know a great big team. It wasn't just a football team; it was a team off the field as well. You know, with, with all the all the directors and the. Um, and, and this, so just just unbelievable days but it, it, it was we used to call it the paralytic express and it certainly was that night <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and, and uh, just to further embellish this so to so you on the train journey you guys were going along the carriage meeting up with all the fans up and down the, the train sharing out champagne and singing songs and all that sort of thing <laughs> yeah Excellent. yeah we were <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Who, I don't know who's supplying the supplying the booze, but it was just never ending from the time we got on from Newcastle to back to to, to Brighton. It was just, uh, and like they say, the next day with the celebrations around Brighton and Hove and and the surrounding areas was 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 incredible. Yeah, well, you would have loved the the ones when we got back into the top flight um, in recent times. Uh, there was some crowd surging along a train by some of the players going into town from Falmer, apparently. And um, I'd, I'd unfortunately already gone into town and missed that one. But uh, I think a couple of the players were surging along, being passed along the carriage by by supporters, which is great as well. But not quite in the same class as the, uh, the yeah, Newcastle well, it, trip. <laughs> no, because that was the first time Brian had ever been there, yeah. wasn't he? So to be a part of that and for me to captain that, that was, it obviously was a special time in my, in my life. And that's, it hurt me to leave Brighton. I, I didn't want to leave, um, but he made his mind up that he wanted Tony Grealish, and I was part of the thing because David Play, David Pleated uh, about, asked about my my position, so uh, the the move came off. But um, I, I would have, you know, happily spent the rest of my days in in my football career at Brighton. Yeah, oh, that's great uh, to that's hear. Great. And, and also, I mean. Just to say on a final note on the Albion playing career side of things, you, when you came in and you were installed as captain pretty much immediately, weren't you? You had two promotions in the first three years there that we've just been talking about. And I think you were in the PFA player, uh, team of the season for at least one of those two, um, two. promotion two. seasons. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Brian. Yeah. For both and of those. Yeah. And at Luton. I got one at Luton as well. So and I got one at Luton good. as well. Brilliant. We actually, so, got I mean, for win- we actually got the medal for winning the championship. So... That we, as I said before, we should have done our Brian because we had such a good side. We're the best mm-hmm. side, particularly in the in the in, in Division Three. Yeah, and thoroughly well deserved, I'm sure. It's just um, superb time for us, and for and, and obviously, you know, it's, it was a happy marriage, wasn't it? I think because, as you said, you enjoyed your time with us. We um, certainly enjoyed having the, you with us the, for that the one, period. The, the one that also that gave the, the, the other one that gave me great. Uh, pride really is when I got uh, player of the season. I think I already scored nearly forty goals that year, and I think I yeah. got 
I'd, I'd got double figures, but and uh, so that gave me great satisfaction. Not that it was all about me, but it, you know, it was just a nice thing to receive off the fans. And and I've got a photograph of Mike Bamber actually presenting me with a trophy before one of the home games. Uh, on, on yeah, the, you know, with the trophy of player of the season. But it again, again, sorry. No, I was just going to say it's testament to how well you played that you won the Player of the Season in a year when a striker scored thirty six goals. That's uh, to to win over him in that season. Really, it's it's pretty impressive going, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sure Peter was delighted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I made him aware of it many many times. Don't worry about that one. <laughs> Going back to Alan Moore at that time, though, he, he, he used to say to me, if you make a decision out there and I want you to make decisions, I will back you 100%. So if I had to make a tactical change, say we were getting out nobody midfield and I had to pull somebody in, he, he would back me 100%. And, it, and, and I, as I said, I was like that in training. I wanted to win every game. The players knew I was like that. And, and I would take it back if I'd just given the ball away. You know, I'd let somebody know if already you know, give the ball away too simple. I'd let him know. And vice versa, if they want, if, if I gave it away too simply, then I'd want them to let me know. And I think that's gone out of the game a little bit at the moment. You know, in my, well, in my opinion, it has where you're just demanding things of, of your teammates, aren't you? And you're not doing it to make, to, make it, to make it better. You're not having to go to make it worse where, or if you, if you did and you know a player couldn't take that, then you wouldn't do it, would you? You know, well, hmm. some players that you played with can't actually take that can they they're not made that way um so it gave me carte blanche to be you know captain on the on the, on the pitch to be fair yeah and um just a couple of other questions from me one is i've always wondered about the nickname because you're, you're known as nobby horse and aren't you um there's also mr styles of course had the same nickname um where, where does that come from and when, when did you start getting known by that well, that's exactly where it came from, and and uh, saddened by him. And I met him many times and uh, played against him when he went to Preston, Nobby Styles. Mm. And uh, what happened was when I'd gone from Hensford to to Port Vale, and they said it was the the the, the transfer was was a pint of shandy. If you read my book, and it tells you about it. Uh, but when we went back, so the, the fee was actually that we went back. Gordon Lee, who was from Hensford as well, we went back. Port Vale to play Ensford in a game and they kept the gate receipts. But when I was at, when I was at uh, Ensford, they, they they used to call me Nobby and said, oh, you play like Nobby Stars, you get stuck in and, oh, you, right. you know, you're that type of person. And and when we went back to to, um, to play that game with Port Vale, somebody actually just said, hey, Nobby. And at that bang, from that moment, that nickname stuck <laughs> for the rest of my life, which I'm, which I'm proud about. Yeah, you know, for yeah. for to to be named after somebody like that, and it just stuck, and and that's what everybody calls me everywhere I go now. So that that, that because of the Nobby Styles thing, that's basically where it came yeah. from. And that ties in with the other question actually I was about to ask, which was, um, how would you describe yourself as a player? You sort of partially touched on it there by getting stuck in, because to me, as I mentioned, I was only eight nine years old when I first started watching, um, so those first two years with you there, um, I remember you being a strong presence in the middle. Do remember you getting stuck in, but seeming to have quite a bit of elegance and grace on the ball. You, everything seemed to go through you. Um, that's my impression. Would, would you say that's about it, or was there more to describe as well? Yeah, yeah, it's more because when I went to Port Vale, he played me wide on the left, so I was play wide on the left in a four-four-two, coming in on my right foot and scoring goals. 
um, when I came, when Peter Taylor signed me at, uh, at Brighton, he put me in the centre. So I'm playing with uh, Steve Piper mainly. Sully on the left, Toner and Jerry Fell on the on uh, on the right wing in four four two. And I used to just break forward. Steve Piper would be the older midfield player, and I used to hmm. be allowed to go and break on. I wanted to get in the box and go in the box as many times. That's what the gaffer used to say to me: get in the box a dozen times during the game, count them, get in there, get in there, and then eventually one will drop for you. So that was my game. Yeah. Hence, I scored quite a lot of goals at, at Brighton. And then when I went to Luton, David changed my role. I was thirty-one, and he changed my role completely. He made me into the the, the, the defensive. Uh, one of three, so we played four-three-three, and I was the old midfield player, just in front of the back four. So I did, I didn't get as many goals, but I loved the role because you had a lot of the ball, and um, it changed changed my career really because that's how I that's how I played for the three years there, and that's how I played when I went to Hull as player manager, and we got promotion the first year by playing that role again, and I took it on to to some other clubs. I played it when I came to Man City, I played virtually 4-3-3-ish. And uh, so the different different roles. So they were the basic yeah. three roles that I played. Wide left at Port Vale, centre at Brighton, and then and a holding one of the, of, the, uh, of the four in midfield at, at, at Luton. Excellent. Well, um, I think if, if we can, we'll take a break there. If you can hang on for a little bit longer, Brian, we'll just um, go back with a part two and um, go through a few other elements of uh, your time since playing and also talk about your book. Would you be OK to hang on for that? Yeah, great. Yeah, excellent. Brilliant. OK, we'll be back in part two coming up. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 